Greetings, surf comrades. I'm Lady Reverb, and this is SurfGuitar101.com's podcast number 10. With Halloween just around the corner, we wanted to totally creep you out with a selection of satanically scary horror surf tunes. Almost all of the songs I'll be playing in this show have been specially chosen for us by the Ghastly One's awesomely great drummer, Baron Shimmy Shivers. And we also have an interview for you that Warren Binder conducted with the Baron himself. So comrades, I'm pretty sure the show is going to send an icy cold finger snaking down your spine. In order to set the mood, I'm starting you off here with Night of the Vampire by the Moon Trekkers.
It's monster surfing time. That was a set full of nothing but classics. I started off there with a couple of songs that were recorded by Joe Meek in the early 1960s. The first was Night of the Vampire by legendary UK instrumental band The Moon Trekkers. And that was followed by The Spook Walks from a band called Spooks. Both of those tunes can be found on a CD entitled Vampires, Cowboys, Spacemen and Spooks, the very best of Joe Meek's instrumentals. After that we heard Handful of Blood from the Starfires. And that last song there was It's Monster Surfing Time from the Deadly Ones. Now it's time for an experiment in terror, courtesy of Laika and the Cosmonauts.
right, that last song was Dracula's Theme from The Ghouls. We started off that set with Experiment and Terror from awesome Finnish surf band Lycan the Cosmonauts. And that was followed by Strange Ghost from early 60s instro band The Pastel Six. And finally we heard Blood on the Waves from Swedish surf band The Barbed Wires. Next up is another amazing classic, Surf Creature by Bob Hafner.
Welcome to the house on Haunted Hill. <laughs>
I started that set with Bob Hafner's Surf Creature. After that, we heard Vamp Camp by world-famous instro-rock band The Ventures. And that was followed by House on Haunted Hill, a rare classic from a band named Kenny and the Fiends. And that last tune was Shock Monster from fantastic L.A. horror surf band The Ghastly Ones. And as you might have already guessed, that song is our great lead into the interview that Warren Binder conducted with The Ghastly's awesome drummer, Baron Shimmy Shivers. Please stay tuned. Hey, this is Warren Binder with SurfGuitar101.com. I'm here with uh, Norman from the Gasly Ones. Norman, how's everything going? I'm doing real good, Warren, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Let's just uh, jump right in. How did uh, how the Gasly Ones get started? Uh, the Gasly Ones uh, came from Van Nuys, California. Um, Garrett, Dr. Lejos, and myself, we actually do creature effects, monster movie stuff, you know, for the movies. I mean, that's how we met, and that's kind of like a real day job, so to speak. And uh, Garrett and I worked together at this place called K&B, and it's the place that did all the Evil Dead movies and all that kind of stuff. We had known each other for a while and worked at other shops together and stuff like that, but it was when we started working at K&B, I think that we really realized that we had the same interest in music, which obviously is like surf and garage, you know. He had a, a, he had the surf creature comp that had everybody up by the Fender 4, and his favorite thing to do was that cleanup was to uh, play uh, everybody up really, really loud, you know, at the end of the day <laughs> when we were at the shop. And I think we were working on, I want to say uh, Spawn, you know, something like that. <laughs> 15 minutes before the end of the day, it was like cleanup time, so like Garrett would blast everybody up and really piss off everybody in the shop, except for me who like thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> so we, we kind of discovered that we loved the same, you know, stuff. I played drums, you know, primarily, and he was a guitar player, so we... We said, hey, let's get together and jam. We went to my house, you know, one day, like I think on the weekend, you know, set up my drums, put a mattress up against the wall not to bother the neighbors, you know, and uh, it just started playing. And I think we started playing like uh, uh, some of the first stuff we did was, uh, you know, like volcanic action, uh, scatter shield, that sort of stuff. And that became sort of like the staples of, of like the, the very first few Ghastly Woods things when we started first playing was like mostly covers of that sort of thing. Um, the first thing we wrote was Ghastly Stomp. You know, that was like the very first thing that was actually written for the Ghastly ones. Oh, cool. I know there's footage online from one of the early shows of Volcanic Action and Scatter Shield. The other cover songs you guys do now, has those, have those sort of been there the whole time, like uh, Cat on a Hot Foam Board and Heartbeat? That sort of Cat thing? on a Hot Foam Board came later, and Heartbeat came a little bit later, too. Um, I think, like, when we first started, like, we were pretty obsessed with Paul Johnson, you know, so we, we did, like, Mr. Moto and, and uh, you know, Volcanic Action, all that Bel Air stuff, and then we sort of, like, worked in vocal, or not vocal, well, we did work in vocals, we always kind of had at least one or two vocals from the beginning, but we also, we would work in these covers, depending on what our mood was, and depending on what we were like, oh, just listen to this, let's play this, and we were like, you know, a lot of like, that stuff on the Surf Creature records and stuff like that and all those like surfers mood and 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 all those like obscure one-shot compilations there was a lot of stuff on that we would play too there was one song i can't remember who does it but there's a song called jetstream off of one of those records oh, the, the breakers yeah the breakers yeah jetstream that that song was just killer because it has a a, a rack tom thing at the beginning that's really powerful and uh, we used to do that 
I reminded Garrett the other day that we used to play that song, and he was like, really? We used to play that song? He didn't even remember. <laughs> but yeah, we started off with covers and then slowly started working in originals. You mentioned Al's Bar, which was our that, sh- that clip you're talking about. That was like the legendary place that like the Misfits played at and all that stuff. And I'm a big Misfits fan too, you know, and I guess a little bit of that worked itself into our sound somehow. I guess the, 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 the spookier edge. <laughs> So, as you guys started incorporating more and more originals, when did you start recording? Uh, It took about a year after we, if I remember, you know, kind of, it's a little fuzzy because we started like in the fall of 96. I mean, geez, that's, what, 12 years ago now? Uh, Some of that stuff from the early days, the, the timeline is a little fuzzy, you know, to tell you the truth. But I know we started playing and we were really eager to record stuff, but we were more eager to play, you know, we just wanted to play with other bands that we liked, you know, so so uh, uh, we started playing shows, and we were like, well, we got to record something, and then I think pro- approximately about maybe within a, a year, I want to say after that, is, is when we recorded our first, it was the 45, actually. And those are actually different versions of songs that turned up on the full length. Yeah, exactly. The, um, we went into the studio uh, that the Beach Boys had supposedly recorded at in Santa Monica, oh, but in the, in the 80s. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> it wasn't like Capitol Records, you know, it wasn't like Gold Star or, or uh, any of those places. It was like some really small little place that I think they recorded Kokomo or something oh, like that. Man. You know, and uh, yeah, definitely, I mean, I'm a Beach Boys fan, but I like their early stuff, you know. I mean, I think by the 80s, they definitely... Uh, weren't in the Beach Boys anymore, and, and nevertheless, uh, yeah, the versions that are on the 45 are different, and they were very hastily recorded. I mean, those are, I, I'm not particularly happy with how, how those turned out. I, I don't, I actually, in fact, don't like the first versions of those that are on the 45. I think they were hastily recorded, and I just wasn't happy with how they turned out, so I'm glad we got to re-record them for our album, but even on our album, uh, we re-recorded that stuff, but all the tracking and, and most of the mixing and overdubs was done in two days for our full-length album, the entire album. And it was done at, um, for the record where uh, like um, the Huntington Cats had recorded and, and, and the Tiki Tones and all that stuff. And it was engineered by this guy, Jim, Jim Monroe, who had done those records as well. And, and um, he was a great guy, and I thought he did a really good job, you know, and, and it was all done very, very fast, pretty much. Most of the stuff was two, maybe three takes, and um, and then some guitar overdubbing and, and organ overdubbing on two songs, and then we had the, vo- the, or the vocal overdubbings and some of the screaming and stuff, but it was all done really, really fast. How did you guys get hooked up with the Zombie Akogo? Um, I had done work for him uh, for his stage. I mean, it was really that simple. You know, I'd done stuff uh, through my effects background. I actually, I used to do, I started out doing stuff for Danzig, Believe it or not, I did. I did. Uh, I sculpted. Uh, you know, when you see Danzig wearing those big, giant belt buckles with like the demon head on them and oh. and the pendants, I sculpted all that stuff. Man. Yeah, because that, that's like again, like I said earlier, what I do really is I'm a sculptor for movies, movie stuff. And uh, but I had done Danzig stuff. I had done stuff uh, for other music videos. I had done stuff for the Ramones. I sculpted a pinhead. For, for, for a Ramones video. Through the Danzig connection, you know, I met Zombie and started doing stuff for his stage and I did all the, like those rat pink creatures and stuff for the, for, for the Boogeyman video and, and uh, I'm in a couple of those videos as like an undertaker and, and I made these clowns and all this wacky stuff and I played him basically a cassette recording of, of us jamming and he thought it was cool and, and, and 
just was like, hey, let's do a record, and it was pretty much that simple. Uh-huh. You know, we didn't really expect it to do anything, to tell you the truth. We, we, we were just having a good time, and we, despite the fact that it was, it was distributed, you know, worldwide by Geffen, we didn't really have any highfalutin, you know, ideas that, that it would be around 10 years later, much less have our, our albums available around the world. Um, so that was kind of cool, you know, it was available in Canada and, and some places in Europe, I suppose, and, and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, we were just having fun and, and it kind of turned out to be more than we expected and perhaps a little bit like, definitely more than what we expected. Let me just leave it at that. It was more than what we expected and it, and it just kind of like, I, I, I don't know. It, it, we, we, were a, we, were a bunch, we were a couple of effects guys, Garrett and I, who suddenly were you know, had a, had, a, had a record out, you know, it was available everywhere, and we were like, uh, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> and uh, we were like, what? This doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> you know, so it was very peculiar, I must say. It was a strange, let's put it that way. And you guys ended up doing a song with him for a con, right? Yeah, we did the song Halloween, She Gets So Mean for the Halloween Hootenanny uh, album. Okay, so after the full length had come out, um, you guys still playing a lot of shows, or what's sort um, Right after, yeah, right after we finished, uh, um, right after we, the, the full length came out, um, we we played some really really cool shows. Actually, we we did some shows with Southern Culture on the Skids, which were really fun. We did, uh, we actually, the biggest show we ever played was with uh, the Brian Setzer Orchestra. And we played a New Year's show at the Warfield, and uh, in San Francisco, and I. If I remember correctly, the capacity of that place is like about two or three thousand people. I mean, it's a huge place. And here we were opening for the Brian Setzer Orchestra, and it, once again, we were kind of like looking at each other like, what the hell are we doing on this stage? I mean, I think, you know, uh, Brian Setzer is, is, is I think, a, a, a genius on guitar. I mean, he's an amazing guitar player. But the cool thing about it is we played, and after the show, he came, you know, to our little minuscule little closet of a dressing room and and, uh, and said hey guys great show and we were like holy crap you know like you know when I was a teenager and I you knew the Stray Cats came on I actually really really liked the Stray Cats I I, I loved their first couple of, of records and and uh, it was really kind of surreal to have Brian Setzer say that he likes your, your band you know like that was just kind of pretty surreal you know it just the whole era was surreal let's put it that way it's just we're flying by the seat of our pants when you guys took a break for a, a couple of years yeah basically uh we played a lot and and uh kind of got burned out with playing a little bit and and not to mention the fact that garrett and i uh got real busy back with the movie stuff again and we didn't give it a heck of a lot of thought it's not like we said hey we're taking a break or it's not like we said let's stop doing the band it just we just sort of got real busy with work and you know it, it, we just stopped doing the band and, and and concentrated on our movie stuff and we were just working non-stop and and, and just didn't have time for uh, that extra pressure of we got to play shows we got to print t-shirts we have to do you know that kind of stuff it's like most of that stuff's pretty fun but but it does take a lot out of you you know it's like when you're when you're not a, a, a musician that really is making a living at doing that it's it's hard to find the time to do all that stuff when you have you know, your real career that you're concentrating on. Uh, not too long after you guys got back together, uh, you put out sort of an EP on Earth? Yeah, well actually, let me let me back up a little bit. Um, one of the reasons why we got back together, I have to credit in a very, very big way, is Tiki Tina, who's on SG-101, of course. Um, basically, it went down like this. We hadn't played in a really, really long time, and out of the blue, I get an email from Tiki Tina, just really random, 
and, and she's like, I, you know, Norman, I think I met you at one of your shows way back when or something. I can't remember exactly how she worked it, but she goes, I noticed that you guys don't have a MySpace page, and I was wondering why you don't have a MySpace page. The, the Satan's Pilgrims have a MySpace page, and they've had a lot of people on their page, and why, got, why don't you guys have a MySpace page? And, and my reaction was, what's MySpace? <laughs> you know? And, um, and so she's like, well, MySpace is this blah, 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 and it's a great way to promote bands. And I said, I go, well, you know, we have our .com, and, you know, which I put together, you know? And I go, I don't really have time to do another website I mean I again at that time no one knew what myspace was going to become quite yet you know um, I go I don't really have time to do that but and she's like well don't worry about it I'll set it up for you and I'll give you the password and you can just check it every once in a while you know um, you know and and it's no big deal I just set up I'll set it up for you and and, and, and check it every once in a while and I go okay so she set it up and little did I know, it just exploded, like, within weeks. Like, we were just getting all these people that just came out of nowhere, like, where have you guys been, and all this stuff. And, and, and to be completely honest, I was completely surprised that anybody even remembered who we were at that point. People were like, oh, I bought a Haunting Google Go-Go, and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, yeah. You know, so that, that sort of prompted us to, to do a reunion show, you know, a quote-unquote reunion show. So we booked a show at Spikes in Rosemead based on the reaction that we got from MySpace. I mean, it was really, honestly, entirely based on the reaction we got on MySpace and the fact that Tina was nice enough to put that page together, you know. Played at uh, Spikes. Spikes is about a, a 275 capacity place. It's not a terribly big place. But the show was completely sold out. In fact, they had to turn away at people at the door. And we were just like, again, we were like, what? <laughs> it didn't really, like, sink in. So that kind of, like, made us think, well, maybe we should start doing this again, you know? Um, so we put we put out a little uh, sort of co uh, collection of, of um, unused tracks, like, from things we had, we had donated to comps or whatever. And that was called uh, All Plastic Assembly Kit. All Plastic Assembly Kit. And that was like sort of like the, the, the cover that's like the homage to Aurora Monster Model Kits, you know, with the glow-in-the-dark stuff. And um, we, we, uh, we pressed the foul. First, actually, we, we first did a, just a, a run of like 50 that I, that I burned myself on my, my computer. And then we sold those 50 the first night, you know, at the, at the show. And, um, uh, and so that kind of prompted us to go, okay, well, we'll do a pressing of 1,000 you know, and see what happens. And we sold out of the thousand. So that led to us, okay, let's do another full-length record. And we actually did Target Draculon after that. And Target Draculon uh, is like in its fourth pressing now, which is surprising. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, we're really, really happy with it. And then, so, uh, and then Unearthed came because of the songs that we had done for Zombie Agogo were no longer available. So we wanted to make them available to people again. And believe it or not, we don't own the rights to that stuff. On, on, on Zombie Agogo, which is really unfortunate. It's one thing that people don't know about when you sign a, a record deal with, with, a, with a large label that's distributed through Geffen. It's like you, you kind of sell off your stuff, but you don't sell off the songs. You still own the songs. So we, we actually legally were able to re-record the songs and put them out. So we wanted to unearth these songs, quote-unquote, 
so to speak, and that's where that came from. So we basically took a bunch of those songs and some other songs that, that we had kicking around that were never released, and that, that became Unearthed. It's a, it's a little trick that guys like Chuck Berry and Little Richard back in the old days used to do. They used to do the same exact thing because they would get you know screwed over by their label, and they would be like, all right, well, screw you guys. We'll just re-record the songs and, and put it out ourselves. And, and Chuck Berry did that. Uh, Little Richard did that. Jerry Lee Lewis. All those guys used to do that all the time. It's a kind of a common thing. Many thanks to Baron Shivers for giving us that fascinating interview and for picking out so many great tunes for this Halloween podcast. I'm a huge fan of the Ghastly Ones, and I have to say that for me, your performance was a real highlight at the last Surf Guitar 101 convention. Also, let me once again give thanks to Warren for conducting this interview and for asking so many great questions. We'll have more of Warren's interview with Baron Shivers in our next podcast. Okay, now we've got lots more hair-raising songs to play for you. This next tune is Night Creature by the Gigolos.
We started that set with Night Creature from the Gigolos. If the sound of that song seems kind of familiar, you may want to know that there's another name for that band, The Rebels, which featured both Al Casey and Dwayne Eddy. After Night Creature, we heard awesome Swedish band The Langhorns and their song, The Vice of Killing. And that was followed by Zombie Walk from fabulous Italian surf band Cosmonauti. And finally, the last song there was What Kind of Ghoul Am I by Frankie Stein and his ghouls. That's a band that really wasn't a real band, but more of a studio creation from the early 1960s. And they put out a bunch of these fun horror-themed records with very cool cover art. What's really entertaining about them is that they gave out suggestions for what dance moves would be appropriate for each song. So for instance, comrades, when listening to What Kind of Ghoul Am I, you really need to brush up on how to do the mashed potato. And coming right up is another groovy and ghoulish tune you may just want to bust a move to. This is Heartbeat from classic first wave surf band, The Avengers 6.
that was Bedlam from classic first wave surf band The Bel Airs, featuring the guitar magic of Paul Johnson and Eddie Bertrand. We started off that set with Bakersfield, California band The Avengers 6, doing a song called Heartbeat. After that we heard Ghost Hop from amazing Slovenian surf rockers The Bitch Boys. And finally we heard Tarantula from classic early instrumental band The Storms. Well comrades, time enough for only one more set. Here's the chunky goodness of the nobles playing Earthquake.
Okay, we started that set with Earthquake from El Monte, California band The Nobles, followed by the song Out of Limits, which reached number three on the Billboard charts back in 1964. That was performed by a band called The Marquettes. After that, we heard another tune from The Ventures entitled Swing and Creeper. And finally, the last song there was The Birds, a tune recorded back in 1963 by Glendale, California band The Motivations. Well, comrades, I truly hope we've lit up your pumpkins with all these spine-tingling tunes. For the last song on this special Halloween podcast, I'm going to be giving you Nothing More Than Murder from Memphis, Tennessee surf band Impala. I hope you all have a happy Halloween, surf comrades. For SurfGuitar101.com, this has been Lady Reverb, who hopes you'll keep your senses alert, your fear alive, and that reverb tank in good working order.